0: I'm Arlen Hamilton, and I'm an investor. In 2015, I launched Backstage Capital, a venture capital fund, after experiencing food and housing insecurity for most of my life. I wanted to invest in companies led by founders who were women, people of color, and LGBTQ, just like me. I have invested in more than 150 companies since 2015 and growing. I started Your First Million to understand what it was like to make your first million dollars, get your first million fans or downloads, and to see if there is a common thread between us all. Join me as I talk to people from all walks of life about how they got where they are, what they learned on the way, and where they're going. And for those of you who are wondering, yes, I made my first million. <laughs> Let's talk about it. They slept on me, but now they- Cause I mud, because I got a million out the but I'm clean so Hi, it's Arlen. Welcome back to your first million. Thrilled to share this interview with you with Anila from Habit Aware, a company that Backstage Capital invested in a few years ago. I met Anila in Minneapolis during a co-working event that Alex Rodriguez put together in, um, in a co-working space. It was a fireside and then um, a demo day. Really loved it. And Anila showed up. Two, two things that caught my eye right away. One was the, the pain point, the literal pain point in this case. She was intimately uh, intimately aware of the pain point because she shared it herself and she also spent so much time with people who had the same affliction and so she built a solution and if you talk about founder product fit or building the future you want to see this is this is a great example another thing that caught my eye was that she brought her baby to the demo day her husband was there her baby was there her baby is cute as Ever and probably, I mean, babies grow up, so probably driving cars by now. But um, I just love that too because I've often said that mothers who bring mothers and fathers who bring their children to meetings are very interesting to me because of the ability to multitask. And um, so I was drawn to that. We ended up investing. I'm so happy we did. There's a lot to learn in this episode. My good friend and coworker, colleague, chief of staff, started as an apprentice himself, Chacho Valadez, is conducting the interview. You might remember him from last season, coming in the last few episodes. He's doing that here. And, you know, this season of Your First Million, we are focusing on building Runner, my new recruiting company, out to this first million in revenue. Let's see if we get there. It's all happening in real time. There's nothing that's being kind of um, faked or or, uh, embellished. It's just happening as it goes. Sometimes I'll jump on and just tell you what's going on. Sometimes we'll do these these, uh, interviews. But while we're doing that, we're still going to interview people because... That's what we do at Your First Million. So I hope you have your notebooks. I hope you put them away. You didn't. You kept them wherever you put them away from last season. They're back. You have your sharpened pencils, and you're ready to go. Um, this is this is fire. This is exciting, and it is going to really unlock some things for many of you. So stay tuned, and don't forget. Check out Hirerunner.co. This episode is brought to you by Runner. Hirerunner.co as in Hire Us. Uh check it out. If you want to become a runner, you, you want to work in operations or you already do, or you want to become one of our very first clients. And uh the pilot has just gone crazy and been incredible. So I cannot wait to welcome you. And I'll see you on the other side.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Your First Million. I'm Chacho Valadez, a resident guest host of the podcast. And I guess I should say Chacho 2.0 because this is my first time using a podcasting mic. So I'm really excited about that. Hopefully the audio quality is a little bit better for y'all. And I'm very, very excited to have Anila here on the show with us. Uh, and Anila is the uh, co-founder, is that correct? Of Habit Aware. Yep. And um, yeah, Anila, you want to introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, thank you, Chacho, for having me on the show. I'm super excited to be here and to be part of the backstage headliner family. Um, And I am, as you said, one of the co-founders of HabitAware. We are a mental health tech company based in Minneapolis. And our goal is to help people overcome body-focused repetitive behaviors through the use of our smart bracelet.
1: Very cool. And we'll get into the smart bracelet stuff later in the show, which is incredible technology. Um, But the first thing that piqued my interest is that you're from Minnesota and I grew up in Wisconsin. I live in Michigan and I love the Midwest. So um, did you grow up in Minnesota?
2: No, my husband and I, Samir, who's our CEO, we moved to Minneapolis from New York. I'm originally from New York and Samir is from Michigan. Uh, We moved to Minneapolis in 2011 after we had gotten married we were one year into our marriage and he had finished his MBA program and took a position at Ameriprise with someone whom he had worked with previously in Boston. So we kind of just said, okay, we'll do this for a while. It was in corporate strategy, something he wanted to, to be doing. We said, okay, we'll move. We'll, We drove through what is uptown uh, Minneapolis. I drove through some of those streets and I was like, oh, this is like mini Brooklyn. It's awesome. Let's do this. It just felt like home. And now we've been here 10 years and it's home. We have started renting. Now we have two children. We have a company here. We have, our life is here. Love it here.
1: That's awesome. What would you say is one of the more surprising things about moving to the Midwest when you grew up on the East coast?
2: Honestly, the, the value system is what I've noticed the most is that the, the, the pace of life, um, is focused more on how you spend your time versus how you spend your money. And growing up in New York, it was all about things and consumption and brands and one upping each other in that competitive lifestyle, which when I came here, It was just not about that. It just made it feel like truly like home because that's more what resonated with me that I wanted to do good in this world. I wanted to help people. And I find that time and again with the people around me that volunteering, you know, on boards of nonprofits, spending their time doing all these different things that the way that they just focus on being outdoors in nature, regardless of the temperature, (laughs) it's just a different lifestyle and it's, yes, it's slower paced, but I think that that is actually really good for our mental health. And uh, I would love to see some of these values more incorporated into life in some of these faster paced cities.
1: Uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And it's something that, um, makes me so drawn to the Midwest as well. Um, how has that informed the way you're building HabitAware?
2: I think it's definitely informed um, just the methodology of how we work and how we treat our customers, which I don't even like that word because I call them keen family. Um, just that that personalization, that aspect of understanding that a lot of these behaviors that we help with so body focused repetitive behaviors include hair pulling skin picking nail biting and a lot of it is just simply rooted in how fast we're moving and we're not giving ourselves time and space to take care of ourselves and so being in an environment now for 10 for the last 10 years that's we're other people have shown me and taught me just by doing right. Like, Oh, we're going skiing this weekend or, Oh, we're going, you know, ice skating or, and we're going camping in the North woods. We're going here. We're going there that, that, that I'm learning how to do that for myself, how to build my life that way. And then now I can impart that on our keen family as well.
1: Oh, that's great. love hearing that. Um, can you tell people um, what is HabitAware um, and uh, how does the bracelet work? And um, yeah, for anyone who like hasn't heard of you all before.
2: Yeah, which is probably a lot of people because people don't talk about these conditions. There's a lot of shame around hair pulling, skin picking, nail biting, because of this perception that because it's our hands, it's our fault. Um, but I have hair pulling. It's called medically known as trichotillomania. So HabitAware was born out of my own personal need. It started for me in my early tweens. It got worse when I was in high school and kind of dealing with the, the, the pain of seeing my father sick with cancer and then finally passing away. We just, it was the 90s and we weren't talking about mental health. We were focused very much on his physical care, but none of our mental health. And so I turned to hair pulling as a coping mechanism and I hid because I thought I was messed up. I thought there was something wrong with me. Like everyone else with these conditions, they don't understand that it's not its not us in that sense, right? It's not our conscious self. Uh, and so Habit Aware was born out of this theory, this hypothesis that if we are aware of these unwanted behaviors, then we can take control. And for us, that aha moment was a few years ago. My husband caught me with that eyebrows. I shared my story with him. And then he started noticing when it was happening and we're sitting on the couch one day and I'm pulling and he gently grabbed my hand. And that was the aha moment of if we just had a bracelet that notified me that I trained for my specific behavior. And then it sends that vibration, which we call the hug on the wrist, allowing the person to take that moment of pause and show themselves a moment of self-care so that they learn to train their brain to these healthier coping strategies
1: i love the language around that around it being a hug versus something uh i don't know what else you would have called it like something to tell you to stop almost like an alarm
2: right Um, yeah
1: that's and um yeah how much of that intentionality is built into the bracelet
2: absolutely every absolutely every every piece of it every you know every newsletter we write the bracelet language matters words matter because our mindset matters and those words set the tone for how we're going to build our relationship with this bracelet right if i say yeah this is your alarm telling you every time you're doing something wrong well what experience are you going to have but if i say this is your hug on the wrist reminding you to take that moment for yourself everybody could use that (laughs) Right, not just people really? with hair pulling, skin picking, nail biting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, I just love that so much. That's so that's so powerful, especially for your customers. Um, what are some of the feedback that you receive from people who you start using the bracelet?
2: The the biggest thing we found, you know, we've sh- we've shipped to nearly seventy plus countries with the release of the second version of the bracelet, Keen Two. We've started doing peer coaching calls. And so we were getting to meet people from around the world and some of it is, oh my gosh, I've never talked to or told anyone else about my condition. And some of it is this bracelet is changing my life, right? That's what we're here for. That behavior change at its core, these behaviors are unwanted. And our goal is to help break that behavior loop with the vibration and with the change in behavior that the person brings to the table. So, you know, we are able to help people from six years up to six years old to 70 plus kick these quote unquote bad habits, which we know they're more than habits. They're, they're, you know, mental health conditions, but kick them to the curb in a sense where that weight that they've been carrying for so long is now just a small coin purse in their pocket where all the time and energy once spent hiding is now healing,
1: yeah, that's incredible, and very powerful for for your customers as well or your keen family, I should say um yeah, and is there uh, was there like a moment for you you know i you mentioned the um you know the touch on the wrist from your husband when he noticed it, but there are other other moments sort of like breakthroughs for you when it comes to mental health or um you know being a founder and, you know, it's incredibly difficult, um, you know, founder mental health is something that isn't talked about often, but it's so important. Um, so I guess my question is like, what are things you do to help your mental health outside of the bracelet?
2: Yeah. So I no longer actually use the bracelet to help me with my hair pulling because I have built up enough awareness that I now know I may, I now know when my hands are playing with my eyebrows And I know what my triggers are. So I know that as soon as my hands start playing and it's, I look at the time and it's 1130 at night, I'm like, oh, okay, work can end. It's time for bed. And sleep is one of my biggest replacement strategies. Um, And then I've also learned to replace it with drinking water, deep breathing. So those are kind of my in the moment strategies but yeah, as a founder, it is hard. It is hard to talk to people that have no clue what path you're on. I mean, it's very similar to a, a BFRB in that sense where you try to talk to a loved one about it and they're just like, I don't get it. Just stop. I don't get it. Just just not think about that issue at work or that seems you know easy to solve or whatever it is where people don't understand. So for that... Um, and for my anxiety as a whole, I employ what I call faith as a strategy. Um, so I'm heavy into uh, prayer, Buddhist chanting. I, you know, I've kind of grown up with access to all religions. So I take and pick and choose from whatever I feel in the moment. I am affirmations, mantras, fortune cookies, you name it. I'll use it to help me focus my mind on something positive and to remind myself that when I go off on those mental tangents in my mind, that they're not always true, that those thoughts are not true. And to kind of bring it back to what's the real issue at hand from a work perspective, uh, to try to solve it.
1: Yeah. And that's, it's so powerful. Like the first thing I try to ask myself is, is the thought true? Because not, not everything you think is true. And so it's cool that you said that.
2: Yeah. And I think that's a really powerful thing to remember because we all think that our thoughts are coming from our consciousness, but they're not like some, you know, I'm not a scientist. So the way that I understand it is subconscious, conscious. Our subconscious is trying to just keep us safe but those thoughts are not necessarily true. There's not always a bear in the room. Um, And so when your brain is like that, you have to learn and practice and work hard to turn that off.
1: Oh, definitely. And it's certainly a retraining and sort of bringing up what is self-conscious and making it conscious. And then um, something I started doing in the mornings um, is, these daily mantras where today's a great day, mm-hmm. like, like very definitive statements that help um, to really get your day started really well. And in a, at a place of like feeling, feeling good.
2: Exactly. I do that with all of our Cust- all of our keen family. I try to say a prayer over them that, you know, I hope that they are willing to put the effort that they reach out for help, all these things that I just try to put those good vibes out for them. Um, even before every training, every coaching call that we do, I'm like, "This is going to be a great call. And without a fail, the days that I forget to do it, the call goes like off on the, off the rails a little bit, you know, <laughs> it's just funny how just putting out that request for goodness it's received.
0: Hey, just popping in for a second. Don't forget to visit hirerunner.co, H I R E, runner.co to check out my new recruiting company called Runner. The pilot is off the hook, and I am 40, so thank you. And, uh, It's you know we're going to go into beta soon, so check out what we're doing. We're we're experimenting. We're figuring things out. We have some amazing feedback so far from people we've already matched. Um, and people who have become runners. And so you have on one side people who are looking for that extra help to help them unlock what they're doing, to help them open up 40-plus hours a month of time that they could spend doing something else and focusing uh, somewhere else. And then on the other hand, you have people who may be looking for work, have no work and looking for work and are just great at operations or people who have a job, but know that they want to pivot, know that they want more flexibility. They want to work with more inclusive companies. They want to work with more uh, startups because that is where the excitement is. All kinds of use cases on both sides. Check out the site to hear and see more. HireRunner.co. Let's get back to it.
1: Um, Switching gears a little bit to Uh, more tactical information on company building, Um, what were the first few roles that you hired for HabitAware?
2: Yeah. So when we started out, we were four co-founders. We still are four co-founders, myself, John, Kirk, and Samir. And so the four of us combined have the the foundational skills to get a hardware startup started, (laughs) Um, So I'm on the marketing and communication side. Samir is on the business management, vision, finance, all that other stuff. Uh, John is our lead hardware engineer. And Kirk is our CTO as software and and firmware engineer. And so the four of us really worked together nights and weekends for a few years, got prototypes, and our first hires were around um, helping us raise awareness of the bracelet of, of four medical professionals. Um, so a customer of ours, our keen family, Ellen came to us after a few months of using the bracelet and said, I used to work in sales and event management and this bracelets changed my life. And I want to work with you to change the lives of others. And so she is our director of awareness. So she does doctor outreach. And then she also does peer coaching calls because she's just, you know, in the same way as I have leveraged this methodology, created this methodology to help us help others Um, are after that we've, we hired for customer support, helping, um, you know, with shipping. And then, you know, obviously with a technical product, there's going to be technical issues. So handling those support tickets with the love, strength, and awareness that, that, we would want if we were reaching out for technical help. Um, And then most recently we've added a software engineer to the team, Aaron and um, Mari is our graphic design brand manager extraordinaire. She can do, do it all.
1: Cool. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. And um, as you know, Arlen has started a new company called runner, which is super exciting. And she um, is actually, going to be sharing a lot of her lessons learned um, and really building in public via this podcast. And so it'd be great to hear um, a little bit of your first impressions of of Runner. And for those who don't know, Runner is an app that connects uh, startup founders to operational talent on a day-to-day basis, or even like just if you need someone for one day, you could hire them for that. Um, And so, yeah, curious to hear what your first impressions are of that.
2: Yeah. So I read every single one of Arlen's emails, including the ones about runner. Um, I immediately signed up on the type form. So obviously, you know, very clearly Arlen lives and breathes building lean. Uh, why build it if someone already else has. And I think that's a great mantra for any startup in the beginning. Um, I think it's a great idea. I think there's always moments where we're we're just like, Oh, I wish I had someone that could do that. And, our immediate thought is, but by the time I tell them how to do it, I could have just done it myself, right? That's sort of, I think what holds back a lot of founders or C-suite folks, or basically anyone that's, you know, working, trying to create a product, trying to solve a problem, trying to help a community, that there's all these little things that wind up never getting done or get put off or get put to the front while something big is burning in the bank or, you know, never gets done that kind of thing where we just sort of get paralyzed by it. And so I really like this idea of if I have access to someone who is trusted that can pop in and, you know, handle this one task for me. Awesome. And then I can slowly build that relationship with that person and hopefully get to the point where it's not just one-off things, but it's, you know, it's it's full-time, full-blown projects or it's, you know, every quarter or, or full-time, right? I think that's a great way to help both the startups and folks who may want more flexible lifestyles or, you know, want to have, be a little bit more choosy as to the type of work they want to do. So I think it's a really interesting idea and I'm excited to continue to watch Arlen build it in public and hopefully be a customer soon. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I know Arlen's making it available to all backstage portfolio companies. Um, so that that's really exciting. Um, when it comes to building a company outside of Silicon Valley, it's something that a lot of people, you know, conventional wisdom is that in order to build a great company, you have to be in the Bay area, especially a tech company. Um, what advice do you have for founders who are building in, um, areas outside of the Valley? And I know we've seen a shift, towards other markets like Miami, for example. Um, But what is your thought process there? And um, what advice do you have for them when it comes to wanting to build a venture scalable business?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely still a hurdle. Uh, It's just, you know, quite frankly, capital is more liquid on the coast. So it is easier to get investment. Um, But you also still either way need to have a great idea and, and, and people that believe in it. Right. So I would just say to anyone that's in the Midwest, while it may feel like a limitation, if you can turn it into the positive of, you know, believing that this thing still needs to be in this world, that this bracelet still needs to be in this world to help people that just keep putting yourself out there Do as many interviews as you can. You know, meet as many people to a to a point, right? Because you don't want to take interviews with VCs who are clearly just trying to get smart in your field or whatever. And so it's it's hard to kind of sift through that the wheat from the chaff, they (laughs) say, right? So it's it's hard to to kind of make sure of that. But I think it's doable here. And as you've said, um, you know, with COVID money and investors are now starting to feel a little bit more, um, a little bit less hesitant to invest without meeting of a founder in person, that kind of thing where before it was just a different process. Right. And so I think more capital is starting to come into these areas. I think there's recognition that good ideas can come from anywhere and, it's really up to the investors now to start looking, right. They, they need to be the ones to, to take the time to, to see what is out here and not just immediately dismiss, Oh, it's this city or whatever, this region, you know, and to actually give us, give people a chance, quite frankly. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's still hard. I think that it will change with time. It can't, we're, we're just, we're years behind, right. In that sense of development. And so we just need the time to, as a community, as a startup community to get there and we need, um, you know, Midwestern cities need angels, local angels to understand, you know, I mean, even here, there's such a huge opportunity with all of the fortune 500 companies here to support the startup ecosystem, but also those employees to get in on some of our startups. And so how do we start building those bridges? And that's the cool thing, is that starting to see some of that happen. So new angel networks starting to form and things like that, where hopefully we'll start seeing the passage of capital, the passage of support um, to local startups.
1: Yeah, that's so true. Um, Could you, you know, speaking of capital, uh, share your journey of how you uh, have made your first million?
2: Yeah. So our capital fundraising has run the gamut um, from, you know, our own putting our own uh, financial dollars as founders into it. Friends and family uh, backstage capital, uh, which is such a serendipitous story that, you know, I never even. I think about it so often um, just the way that,
1: yep. What is the story? Actually, I don't know if I've heard it.
2: Yeah. So the way that I met Arlen, I was invited. And this is where I kind of, this is another strategy that I employ, which I call serendipity as a strategy, which is really just put yourself out there as much as possible. Cause you never know what's going to happen. You never know who you're going to meet that can help you or who you're going to meet that you can help. And I was invited to the Gravity Summit here in Minneapolis in 2018, I want to say, or 17. Fuzzy. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, it It was 2017. It was the summer of 2017. The reason I remember is because my second son was just a few months old. So and I said, yes. And I went, you know, I could have said, Oh, I'm still breastfeeding or, Oh, I'm just had a baby. It's, you know, three months old. I'm, I i can not do it. But I said, yes. And there at the, the conference, the gravity summit is meant for, um, you know, black and brown friend or black and brown founder founders in, uh, in the twin cities, BIPOC female, there's, you know, basically Arlen's, as Arlen has built, right? The underserved founder. So that's what gravity is is focused on. And so I shared my story of solving a problem of my own to start a startup company. And, you know, it's still a little fuzzy, but the way I remember it, Arlen might have a different memory of it, but the way Arlen, the way I remember it is I gave my talk about how we started HabitAware, how we came from it from personal need and all the things that have kind of led us to this moment of being able to help people. And then Arlen was there as the keynote with the gravity, you know, summit leader doing kind of that one-on-one fireside chat where she talked about how she has anxiety and she's, you know, hates public speaking. And now I don't think I hear that so often from her anymore, which is awesome. Um, And I think there was a question around like, what types of founders do you look for? And her response was something to the effect of like the person that was just speaking, you know, so, you know, we stayed right. And even then I was really planning to just go and speak and then leave because I had my three month old son and I was post C-section and still not feeling great. And Samir was with me and said, Oh, let's just stay like, let's hang out. We haven't been out. We haven't seen friends in a while. And so we stayed and we sat and we were like, Whoa, what? (laughs) And so after the whole summit ended, chatted with Arlen a little bit more and then just stayed in touch, you know, for a few months later, um, chatted with Christie and eventually backstage was one of our early headliner checks, right. Into the, into being part of that family. So that was that, that, that is almost a summary of how Habitware has gone in the sense of so many things have happened, by the good grace of others of supporting us, of inviting us to be places of, of, and of of me saying, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's, let's do that. Let's be helpful. Let's put ourselves out there, do good, show up, help people. And hopefully it comes back. Right. And so that was one of our earliest investments. Um, Prior to that, we did meet with some angels, here in Minneapolis that said yes, (laughs) in a sense. So they were also invested and they got some of their friends and family in. Um, But I had met them through a startup that I had tried to start previously that ultimately went by the wayside because the doors just kept happening for Habitware and they were in the healthcare space. And so when we took this idea to them, we showed them the traction we had. They said, okay, we'll come in as angels um, and then we went to Hacks, which is a hardware accelerator program. And they came in, uh, obviously, through the program itself as part of that funding. And then the, the, the other portions of funding have come from competitions. So Minnesota Cup is a, the largest nationwide startup competition. And then through non-dilutive funding through S research grants with the NIH and the NSF. So that's more than a million if you add all of that up, but that's basically how we've been able to fund the progress that we've made with HabitAware.
1: Wow. What an incredible journey. Um, You say that a a lot of it is done by the good graces of others, but I think you all are very gritty and have so much tenacity and you're putting yourself in in a position to be able to sort of capture some of that serendipity, which um is really really important. So I really really commend you for that. That's that's amazing.
2: Thank you. Yeah. And it's really fun. I always look at events, you know, whether one person shows up or 500 shows up, who is who is here that I need to meet because I need to serve, right? And then my hope is that somehow that comes back in goodness to me. So it's yes. selfish, but I think it's a good side good kind of selfish.
1: Absolutely, I agree um, and my last question for you is uh, what do you like to do for fun?
2: Oh gosh, I love to do so many things for fun. I think that's one of the other things of starting this company and really taking ownership of my own mental health is that I've figured out that I'm allowed to take time to have fun um so I now have two kids uh, a seven, an eight-year- old and a four and a half year old and I love hanging out and playing Legos with them that's one of the things I loved as a child. And so now I have a huge excuse. Um, I love just going for walks outside. I'm actually looking forward to the Minneapolis winter because we're going to start getting back into skiing, which is really, really fun and uh, rewarding quiet meditative experience. Um, And then I love to write. I love all sorts of like art type stuff. You can see some of that in the background with my paintings from paint by number classes. Um, But just that kind of stuff, just putting my creative uh, skills to to work are my favorite things to do.
1: That's so good. Thank you for sharing that, I guess. And this is definitely the last question is, uh, Mm -hmm. where's the best place people can find you? and Also, where's the best place people can find habit
2: Yeah, so I am at on Twitter at AK310i. Um, on Instagram, my Instagram handle is Anila Idnani, and I'm just getting started there. So there's only one post up, but I am, my hope is to overcome fear and start being more vocal. Uh, and maybe that I, maybe now that I put it out in the universe, it will happen. Um, and then Habit Aware can be found, uh, at Habit Aware on Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter. I think I, Got them all. And of course, our website, habitaware.com. Oh,
1: cool. So you're on TikTok.
2: A little bit. <laughs> a
1: little bit. <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks so much, Anila. It's been a pleasure uh talking to you and uh looking
2: forward to uh hearing this episode. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Ooh, What an amazing interview. Wow. Thank you, Chacho. Thank you, Chacho. And thank you, Anila. Just just incredible i knew it was going to be (laughs) so good so good um if you if you love what you listen to check out both of them on social uh send them some love because that is just uh i know i'm going to be thinking about that for a long time so thanks again this episode is brought to you by runner hirerunner.co uh fractional and temp to hire operations talent for your startups see you next time it's Arlen thanks for listening to this episode so I would love to keep up with you online you can find me at Arlen was here on Instagram and on Twitter that's A-R-L-A-N was here I cannot wait to continue this conversation with you your first million is produced by Anna Achenola executive producer Arlen Hamilton Associate producer, Chacho Valades. Theme song is used by permission by the artist, Tobe Nuigue.